0: So here we are in Matthew 25, verse 1. Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Jesus is speaking this parable, and he says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, the title of my message today from this familiar parable is, (coughs) To Be With Jesus, You Must Be Ready. To be with Jesus, you must be ready. This is a message on being ready. Now, I have been preaching for the past month on us getting ready for the Spirit of God to come and do a revival among us in our church. I am so eager for that revival. Now, what we learn in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit comes to those who ask for Him and are ready for Him and do not give up on seeking for Him. This message is simply a continuation of of the series on being ready to receive God's power and presence in our life and in our church. And this is simply one of the key ingredients we're going to look at today, uh, from that we're going to get from this passage. So, as we look at it, I want to review where we've been in our series. Okay, first of all, the first point is that we need to be hungry. We need to be hungry. You have to want it. You know what they say to sports teams? Teams that are hungry are the one that win the games. Now we're going to see the Broncos play today, this afternoon. Somebody here is actually going to the game. That's pretty exciting. Has everyone said hi to Alex? Hi Alex, good to meet you. Where are you from originally? Illinois. So you came here from Illinois to watch the game? That's brilliant. Go Broncos. I hope they win for you today. So, <clears throat> you know, you can have two teams, and the skill on one team is even higher and better than the skill on another team. But if the team that even is, isn't is quite as good, but if they're more hungry, they're going to win the game. If they play more like a team, they're going to win the game. If they um, just want it more, they're going to win. That's true in sports. That's true in, we see it in everything of life. And it's going to be true for us too. So for us to receive the Spirit of God, we need to ask the Lord. We have to want it. We need to fill ourselves with the right thing. Don't substitute, don't substitute something else for the Holy Spirit. Now in our family, we have a tradition. We have a meal together every night at around 5.30 or 6 o'clock. The whole family is expected to come and be there at the table for this meeting. I can promise you something, that if I get hungry at around 4 o'clock, 4.30, and I decide just to run through McDonald's and have a Happy Meal or whatever they serve there, and then uh, come home to dinner at 5.30, and... Say, you know, I'm not really hungry. I'm not going to eat today. I will be in very big trouble. And I might not make it through that evening. Because there are some people who cook the food and they prepare all day long. They get it ready. They've planned. They've gone grocery shopping. They've, they've cooked a healthy, good meal. And I, if I just say, you know, I had McDonald's. I don't need the, I don't need dinner. Whew. That's big trouble. Well, you know what? we we ruin ourselves for the holy spirit when we try to satisfy our hunger in different ways we can even satisfy our hunger with some good things you know rather than the holy spirit himself we like want to uh fill our minds and hearts with good education nothing wrong with that but if we do that to it the exclusion of the holy spirit very dangerous very dangerous thing to do we need to be a people who are hungry for Him and only let ourselves be satisfied by Him and Him alone. Can you say Amen? amen. That was the first message. The second one that I took two weeks to, to to share was that we need to be humble. Everybody look to each other and say, Be humble. Turn to the other person on the other side and say, Be humble. Be humble. <laughs> We learn in the Bible, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. You're going to let yourself, if we let ourselves be prideful in our hearts, God is going to resist us and push, push against us. So, <clears throat> we looked at the story of Naaman last week. Naaman was the guy who had leprosy very high up in the command of another country. And this man was very high up and probably prideful. But he underwent a change because he was needy. (laughs) He needed healing. And he listened to his servant girl. And then when he went to the king of Israel... King of Israel told him to go to the man of God. The man of God didn't even come out of his house, just sent a servant to him to say, I want you to go wash yourself in the River Jordan. The man was infuriated by that. Why would you make me wash in the Jordan River? And the guy didn't even come out here and pray over me. You know, that was ridiculous. And this guy was so angry and he went off in a rage. But he had some good servants who risked themselves and his anger. And they went to him and they asked, they said, why don't you just do it? And he listened to them and he was healed as a result. He did what they said. His pride, he was humbled and humbled and humbled about three or four times. And he finally got his miracle because he was humble. Church, we need to be humble. We can't be standing up prideful uh, saying, oh, that church is not as good as us, or we just point our fingers at other people, even within our church, and we we just have attitudes that we allow to grow. We can't do that. We cannot do that. It's going to block the miracles. We need to humble ourselves before one another. Be careful. Be careful about the humble thing. Be careful about pride. It'll keep us from getting the miracle. So the message today, the third point in this message is be ready. Now, the, this chapter, 25 of Matthew, are some of the last, uh, teachings, public teachings, Jesus is giving to, to the crowds before his crucifixion. So he's telling them, he's getting, getting down to the wire here, and he's telling the public some of his last messages and his last words. And the message here is, it's a parable he tells, says, be ready, be ready. The kingdom of heaven is like at this time he's talking about at the end of days and and we're in the last days right now uh the last days began after the resurrection of jesus and will continue until his return those are called the last days and we've had 2000 years of the last days so far this is the age of the holy spirit and he <clears throat> he compares the Five foolish girls and the five wise girls. Now, these were girls who were attendants at the wedding. You know, every bride wants to have her girls with her. What do we call those? Bridesmaids, Bridesmaids, yeah. So that's what these girls were. These were the bridesmaids, these ten virgins. And they were supposed to welcome the groom as he comes into town, and show the way to the place where the wedding's gonna take place. Well, five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish did not take any extra oil for their lamps. They just thought, I got enough, we'll be fine. Now, I wanna point out, who are these, well, who's, uh, let me ask you this question. Who's the groom? Who's the bridegroom in the, in the story? It's Jesus. It's Jesus coming back, to be with his church after uh, the whole process of his resurrection and his his crucifixion and everything. Jesus is coming back, and he he wants to know, is anybody ready for me? Is anybody ready? And he tells this story to point out some are going to be ready and some are not. Now, the question you need to ask yourself, and we need to ask ourselves here, Five are foolish, five are wise, but all of them were invited, and all of them were coming. So who are we talking about here? We're talking about the Christians. Okay? We're not talking about the saved and the unsaved. Okay? We're not talking about those who go to church and then those who are outside, outside of church. Wasting their life in, in bad living. We're talking about the people in the church. Now, does that make you just kind of want to pay attention here? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, because this is an important lesson. The foolish did not take the extra oil. They were invited, but they were not prepared. So one of the main points I want to point out here today is we are responsible for our actions. We are responsible for our actions or our lack of action. Jesus is making that clear to you and me. Pay attention. We are responsible for what we do and what we don't do. And we will suffer or be rewarded for our own actions or lack of action. Now we're not talking about salvation because the only one who can save us is Jesus. Jesus. He's the only one who can save us. But since we are saved by Him, There are responsibilities we have. There is an expectation we have to want to be with Him. To be prepared to be ready for Him. Today, that's what we're going to talk about. The foolish were invited. The foolish came, but the foolish didn't come prepared. And the foolish ignored good advice. We have this phrase we use in English, blow them off. You ever heard that before? Yeah, the teacher lectures the student and the student just blows them off. In, in in this sermon right now, there might be some people just blowing me off. I hope not. <laughs> blowing me off means ignore me, not pay attention. Oh, that's just a message for another person. Don't think that way. Now is the time for action. To avoid being foolish, we need to respond now and get some oil for our lamps. We need to get ready. Turn to the person next to you and say, Get ready. Turn to them and say, How do you get ready? We'll have to wait for Pastor Andy to tell us. Okay? So, the bridegroom is Jesus. The virgins are the church, the people, the Christians. The lamps are the Holy Spirit working in our life. That's the light. We light this candle because Jesus is the light of the world, and He said to us that we are the light of the world, so let your light shine. Right? Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine so that people can see your good works and give honor to you. No, who? To your Father in heaven. To give honor, we light the candle (laughs) to give honor. We light the candle in our own soul to give honor to our Father in heaven. We want to bring God's glory. Now the oil I want to suggest to you, the oil itself is the Holy Spirit Himself. So we need to come prepared with extra Holy Spirit. Now, the Lord Jesus isn't going to come to people who don't want him and who don't expect him and who aren't waiting for him. So that's the first thing. We need to set up in our hearts an attitude of expectation. An attitude of expectation. When When do you think Jesus is going to come back? We don't know. He's going to come back when he's ready. Uh, He's not waiting for you to be ready. He's waiting for when He's ready. (laughs) Okay? It's only the Father who knows. Now, we see an interesting thing here. And I want you to look now at verse... (coughs) We read up to where they fell asleep. Now, did did the foolish ones fall asleep? Yes. Did the wise ones fall asleep? They slept too. Okay, so... We're to learn something here. Just falling asleep isn't the sin. Okay? I'm really happy to hear that because I love to take naps. And I fall asleep pretty easily when I get tired. (coughs) But I want to be ready, even when I'm sleeping, to wake up and say, here I am, I'm ready, let's go. There are so many times when I wake up at night and I just, I'm praying already. I'm asking God for stuff for our church. I, I have people come to my mind in the middle of my sleep. And I wake up and I start praying for you guys. I start praying for our church. I start praying, inviting the Holy Spirit to come. I think we need to be like that. That's our light is, is ready. It's on. And all it takes is just open your eyes and get going. We need to be ready. So now here we go to this next verse. They're sleeping... And then, verse 6, at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Hey, hey, everybody, here he is. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamps, got their lamps ready, their torches. And the foolish said to the wise, Hey, hey, give me some of your oil. Give me some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, said, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And so they did. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, they found a 24-hour 7 with the oil. And they came back finally after all that. <clears throat> Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. What a terrible thing to have the Lord say that to us. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Now that is a shocking, frightening story that I hope and pray happens to none of us here. But here I'm giving you the warning so that it won't happen to you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now in the context of this message today, I'm talking about something a little different. Now this message is about the last day when the Lord comes And he comes to earth to be reunited with his church and to initiate the thousand-year reign. Okay, And that's theologically what I think is going on. Other people have different theological views on that. But I want to put in a little different meaning here for today. Not just for when he comes back and you have the the resurrection of the dead, and all that. I want us to think about having our oil ready for right now, for His coming. Not just for His ultimate return, but for today. For the coming of the Lord to today, to this house now, today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. That we have our lamps ready. That we have our souls full of the Holy Spirit for now. Not for that ultimate, whenever that is, return of Christ. I'm talking about him coming now. So these girls are sleeping. And then the foolish one said to the wise, Hey, can give me some of your oil. Please, please, please. I just didn't get enough. Can you give me some right now? Give me some, please. And the wise girls said, No, go buy some for yourself. Now, are they being selfish? It seems like, oh man, if they were good Christians, they would just give some of their oil over. But you know what? We can't do that with the Holy Spirit. You gotta get the Holy Spirit for yourself. You gotta seek Him, you gotta pray, you gotta open your heart and humble yourself and let Him flow into your life. I, I don't have a spigot (coughs) on the side of my soul to just give you some of that. I can't do it. I can encourage you to, but you have to get the Holy Spirit for yourself. Amen? It's important. You can't give your portion of the Holy Spirit to somebody else. You gotta get your own. And the tragic statement, I never knew you. <clears throat> the fellowship of God comes to those who want Him and are ready And waiting, not to those who never bothered, who didn't prepare themselves. So church, if we want the Holy Spirit here, we have to get ready. We have to come to church. I I want us to come to church ready to worship. I want to encourage you. On your way to church, start worshiping. So that when Feast calls us to worship, Pastor Feast calls us to worship, we enter into a stream we're already flowing. It isn't like we have to crank the pump and prime it and keep pumping until halfway through we're finally ready. (laughs) Let's not be like that. Let's start from the get-go. Let's come already worshiping. Can you get, you get that what I'm saying? Let's come ready. Let's come prepared. Now, I want to give you a little um, interesting thing. You see this in the New Testament. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, in the old King James, it was, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. In the uh, ESV here, it says, Truly, I say to you. It's a, very interesting, um, it's a very interesting phrase that Jesus used. And we don't really use anything like it nowadays. But I want to explain it to you. I, I learned this from from a pastor named Tim Keller, who I encourage you to listen to if you ever get a chance to. Tim Keller uh, taught on this, that in the synagogues of that day, <clears throat> someone would get up to say something or to read something from the Scriptures, and at the end of his, his statements, he would say, Amen. So like, Conclude, let it be so. And then, after him, the leader of the synagogue would stand up and say, and amen, to verify, yes, what the guy said is true, and I lend my authority and my position to agree with that person. Now, Jesus did something totally radical, something totally different, totally unexpected, Jesus would get up and he would say, amen and amen, here's something that's true. <laughs> and the, the leaders would look at him and say, what right does he have to amen himself? Because that's what he was doing. He was giving the first amen and the second amen to what he was about to say. Hey, this is pretty interesting stuff here. Jesus didn't need anybody to amen him. <laughs> He amends himself because he's God and he has the authority and he's the only one who does. And so, um, anyway, that's just very interesting. But when Jesus said, amen, amen, I do not know you. Jesus is saying, if you don't have your cup full of the Holy Spirit, I can't do anything for you. I can't have fellowship with you. The only way we have fellowship with God is through the Holy Spirit. And the entrance of the Holy Spirit is made by the blood of Jesus. His cleansing, and then there's His invitation and His Holy Spirit coming into us. So I want to say to you, church, we need to welcome the Holy Spirit into my life. Now, if you're a little nervous right now, that's okay. I'm glad because you might say, "How do I know if I got the Holy Spirit? Where's my extra tank? I never got one. An extra bucket for the Holy Spirit oil to carry around in my life. Well, we learn from the Bible very clearly if uh, you have your Bible and want to turn to Luke 11, Luke 11:11 11, 11 through 13. There's a story Jesus tells, Luke 11 verse 11. that answers this question about the Holy Spirit. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? You know, good fathers are going to be good to their children. I remember, you know, this little guy, his name, we call him uh, Papa Chite, Valash is his name. And one time, I was in over with Feast in the house, and he was telling him, go downstairs, go downstairs. And so, Velisha turned a little bit, took about two or three steps, like he's gonna obey, and then he turns around and he goes to, back to his father, and he just kinda of reaches out and he puts his head on his knee and starts patting him, like, I really want you more than anything. And I wondered what Feast was, Pastor Feast was gonna do. Is he gonna, get down there! You know what he did? He just picked him up, put him on his lap, because, How can you resist that wonderful, affectionate face? You can't, you can't turn him away. When he wants you, (laughs) you welcome him. That's what a good father does. When we want our father, he's gonna do the same thing. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, now he's calling us evil here. If you then who are evil, we're just regular people that don't Have it all together. We know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now we're not talking about eggs and fish anymore. We're talking about what? Holy Spirit. If we ask for the Holy Spirit, we ask in faith that He's giving it. So before this day is out, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I want all of us to just ask for the Holy Spirit, to ask that He fill us. Now yesterday, we were having a really good prayer time over here um, for the service today. And, and I learned a couple of things that I want to share with you that I think are, are really helpful that the Lord gave us in our prayer time yesterday. Number one, God wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. You know, little Velisha, he was asking for his father's attention as he goes over to him. He was asking for it. He wants it. And the father's heart just reaches down to that. But you don't get something if you don't ask for it. We need to ask the Lord. That's why I felt moved to pray today. For those who had a prayer need, I just wanted to ask. God, Let's can we have those things? Can we sell this house? Can, can Marie get an apartment? You know, Can God heal and touch those who have a need? He wants us to ask. In fact, He tells us to come boldly to ask. <sighs> I have more to say about that. He wants us to ask. He expects us to ask. If we just are sitting there saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm just a worm. God's like, come on, stand up and ask me. You know he wants us to ask. He demands that we ask. Uh, there's a missionary. My father told me about his name was his name is Niles Reimer, and he <clears throat> he actually lives in Greeley. And his wife just died a week or so ago. And I don't know how old he is now. He's probably late eighties, nineties. How old would he be? Yeah. So, he, uh, he and his wife in Ethiopia served for a long time. And during the time in Ethiopia that we were there, there was a revival. This is in the late 60s. There's a big revival that swept East Africa. It was a beautiful thing. And God raised up, out of so many traditions and so, so much paganism, raised up. Hundreds and thousands of believers. And there was a time where the missionaries themselves, my parents included, were challenged on receiving the Holy Spirit. Because they were good Presbyterian missionaries that never really thought about the Holy Spirit in this way, that there was power and that the the Holy Spirit did healing and miracles today like He did back 2,000 years ago. There was just... This, there was this lack of understanding. Well, anyway, this this man, Niles Reimer, was one of the missionaries there. And he wanted the Holy Spirit. He was stirred by this revival. But he had this sense, ah, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know if I have the Holy Spirit in me. And one day, and back in the 60s, there was this wonderful evangelist here in, in the United States, her name was Catherine Kuhlman. Have you heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Well, she was, she was a famous, famous evangelist and miracle working person. And Niles Reimer was able to go to Catherine Kuhlman one day and talk to her and said to her, I just, I just want the Holy Spirit. I just want the Holy Spirit. And she said to him, you already have the Holy Spirit. She saw in him that he had the Holy Spirit already. And all of his concern and all of his, all of his doubt was already answered. And it was because he had asked and he already was filled. So folks, if you don't feel anything when you ask the, for the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. We need to just walk in faith that he gives it based upon his word. What father wouldn't give what His Son asks for. How much more, your Heavenly Father, you ask, He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's believe Him. So to get our oil, we need to invest in asking. We need to go to God and ask. And we need to, with the Holy Spirit, turn the light on, do the works that glorify our Father in Heaven, not... For salvation. Because Jesus does the work of salvation. But our works turn the light on. With the oil of the Holy Spirit, (coughs) we burn brightly for Him. Don't be sheepish. Be bold. Don't say, oh, this is such a little thing. I don't want to bother God with that. In our family, we're uh, a great loser of things. We lose keys. We lose jackets. We lose wallets. We lose things everywhere. Glasses. Coats. Yeah, Donna knows. Donna doesn't lose stuff. She actually finds stuff that I lose. But there have been times where we've lost something and I'm like so frustrated. I'm looking, looking, looking. And we just talked about this yesterday. And... Hassan was sharing a story where he had lost the keys for his for his car. And he was looking everywhere. Was a whole set of keys. House keys, car keys, everything. He's looking, looking, looking. He's in the kitchen. And he finally realized, you know, I haven't even prayed about this. And then he had this little discussion with himself. I'm not worthy to pray about this. This is such a little thing. I don't want to bother God with that. You ever feel like that? I do sometimes. I don't want to bother God with that. It's such a little unimportant thing. And then he remembered, be bold. Don't be sheepish. Be bold. Step in and ask. And so he did, God, I just pray that you will help me find my keys. Standing right there in the kitchen. All of a sudden, he felt this little impression. Open the cabinet door. Right. He was standing right in front of it. He opened it. And hanging right there inside the cabinet on the dog leash were his keys. Right there. It took about two seconds to answer that prayer. I've had a very same thing happen to me. Very similar thing. Where I've lost something and I've prayed. And then I'll get this little image of some, maybe the trunk of the car or something somewhere. And I'll just go and check it out and boom, there the thing is that I've been looking for. God delights to give good gifts to His children, so let's ask. In fact, I think God might be saying, why aren't you asking me for more stuff? Why aren't you asking me for more of me? Because that's what He really wants. Boy, when, when, uh, Valisha was just toddling back to, to Feast, I, I watched Feast's eyes and, you know, he was looking really stern like, you better obey me. And then just slowly his eyes were softening. As his son took one more step after another step and he just couldn't help himself and he picked that boy up. Our Father loves us so much. He wants us to ask for more and the best thing to ask for, not money and wealth and prestige and all that. What's what's the best thing to ask for? Him. More of Him. More of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your light shine. How do we let our light shine? We walk in faith that, that when we ask the Holy Spirit that He's there, and then we follow Jesus in front of other people. Another story that my father shared with me yesterday was in Somalia. Now, Somalia, have you guys seen any of those movies with the Somalis? Th- those are very, very strong Muslim people, the Somalis. And they're, they're, a, they're a fighting people. They don't like to go anywhere without a weapon. Even here, they'll take a butter knife and stick it in their pocket so that they got something. They're a warlike people, the Somalis. And so, <clears throat> my parents were missionaries in Somalia, and they um, were just doing what they did. My father was a doctor. There were other people who were teachers and trainers, and they were helping in this leprosy clinic. And what they did was they simply followed Jesus in front of the Somalis. <laughs> so they lived their faith out loud, so to speak. They didn't hide their light, they just lit their light. So every time before my father would do a medical procedure, he would stop with the Muslim doctor, counterpart doctor, and just pray. He would pray. He would be doing what he normally does in front of the Muslims. And they had translators with them. They would have their prayer meetings in front of the translators, in front of the others. They didn't do like bold evangelism because it wouldn't, it wouldn't work there. Not in this rigid Muslim background. But they just lived out their Christian life in front of the translators and the people that they worked with. <laughs> and you know what happened? Some of those translators, how many of them would you say? About 10. About ten of them came to Christ. Became believers in Jesus just because they were living out their Christian faith in front of them. And um, <coughs> th- these uh, translators were called to the local sheikh. He's like a Muslim pastor, I guess. Muslim leader. And he would call the translators and say, well, what are these Christians doing? Uh, it says, uh, you know, we have the Quran, we have our holy book, the Quran. What do they have a book? And, and the translators would testify, yeah, they have a Bible and they read it all the time. And then they say, well, we pray five times a day. What do these, what do these Christians do? And and they and the translator would say to the sheikh, they pray all the time. They don't just wait for five times. They pray whenever they need to pray. And you see, because these translators had witnessed that, and then they became the testifiers of that to the Muslim leaders, eventually many of them became Christians. And it's a miracle. It's a miracle what God did. So church, we are wanting the Holy Spirit. We're wanting revival in our house. We want it. We need it. And so today, I've hardly coughed through this talk. That's one miracle. Thank you, Lord. Today, could you come on up? I want us to just open our hearts and ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come. And I'm just gonna, while the music is playing, we're just gonna give a little time right now. This is a little shorter message than usual. We're just gonna take a little time to ask. And to respond in faith. So take the time right now. I want you to close your eyes, <coughs> bow your heads, and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Come into you, ask for the oil.